we're in the middle of a series looking at Psalm 23, and we're talking about living in the land of God's goodness. We've been finding out what a good God he is, and last week we even talked about how he makes us lie down in green pastures, and uh, if you weren't here for that, you'll want to look online and grab that one and uh, kind of catch up with us. But I want to talk today about how to be led by a good God. You see, life is a series of choices. It's like we make our choices, our decisions, and then our decisions make us. They make us who we are. And one of the, the great things that causes tension in life is indecision. Kind of vacillating between two or three different choices and not know which, which way does God want me to go. All of these different things. Where, where do I put my kids in school? Do I get married to this one? Is this the one? Do I stay married to this one? You know, uh, is this, I mean, what does God have for me? The, the Father doesn't want you to be stressed out by your decisions and you have this tension. Do I hold on? Do I let go? Do I keep on doing what I'm doing? Do I try something else? The, the book of James tells us that a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. And that word unstable in the original language of the New Testament Greek uh, really means like stumbling around like a drunken person, a drunkard. And that's what this indecision can sometimes feel like, that we're pulled this direction and pulled that direction and trying to figure out how do we do this? Some of you are going like, Mark, that's the thing. I, I'm really struggling with that today. I've, I've struggled with that all my life. How do I do this? How do I be led by God? Well, the antidote we're going to find is learning to relax into his guidance. And we're going to see how he does that this morning. So I, I, you came at a really good time. This is your time today. Life is a journey. God has not left us alone in this journey. He's with us. His presence, his spirit is with us today. And he's also given us a roadmap, his book, his Bible, to Show us the principles of how to live. It's a roadmap for our lives. David, in this psalm, Psalm 23, he says this. You might want to pull open your little worship guide. I'll put some notes in there for you. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right paths for his name's sake. Some versions say he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Literally means right paths. Now, God is a good God and he promises to guide us. We're not left on our own. In fact, it's important that we get his guidance and we walk in his guidance because that's one of the signs that we really know him. Look at Romans 8:14. In the, out of the contemporary English version, it says only those people who are led by God's spirit are God's children. Well, I want us to look at some things that if we're going to really be led by God this morning, there's some things we need to stop. I want to talk about five different ones real quickly. I put three blanks there. You can put your top three in there if you want, or you can just write all five of them down somewhere, all right? One of the things we've got to stop being led by culture. By culture, I can't follow 
God and follow a culture that doesn't follow God. And I think too many of us in this place today, in in America today for sure, we accept without questioning many of our cultural standards. Look what the Bible says in, in Romans chapter 12. It says this, do not copy the behavior or values of this world. Instead, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do. And you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Good, pleasing, perfect. That's what his will is like. Then you will know when. When you allow your mind to be transformed by him. How do we do that? As we begin to focus, to meditate, to read through his words in the Bible. It begins to change us. As we begin to act on them. Neurons reconnect in new ways. The latest neuroscience tells us. And we begin to be transformed in our minds. And then we know. But you can't copy the behaviors, the values, the customs of this world because they come and go. They're temporary. If you don't believe me that the culture is temporary, just look at fashion. You know, fashion comes and goes and comes and goes, doesn't it? You know, if you're going to be in fashion next year, you can't be wearing what you're wearing now. That's what the world tells us, right? And... If you want to hold on to what you're wearing now for 30 years, you'll be back in fashion. So just maybe put it back in the back of your closet. You know, ties get wide, skinny, wide, skinny, wide, skinny, wide, skinny, wide, skinny. They can only do so many things, right? You know, I'm I'm kind of concerned and upset, really, because I'm seeing that men's short shorts are coming back. (laughs) You know, have you seen that? Like, I mean, all the models now, they're all wearing those short shorts and No guy looks good in short shorts. Even Michael Jordan couldn't pull it off. You see the old Chicago Bulls stuff in there. He's running around. You're going like, what is he wearing, you know? And and, and it's just, but it comes and goes. It comes and goes. And even the values of culture come and go. One of the things that I'm seeing right now, there's a very big anti-Christian bias in our culture. And that's because people are wanting to say there are many truths and many ways and many things. And the Bible says that would be nice if that was true, but truth is truth. In fact, I've told some of you the story of John F. Kennedy Jr. You remember some years ago the tragic death of John F. Kennedy Jr. and his wife and her sister. They're in a light plane. He's driving. He's flying it. And, And they crash like directly into the bay, just like smack into the bay. And it looks almost like a suicide attempt, but it's not. And in fact, it was so blatant that they were just crashed straight dive in the bay that you remember the parents of his wife sued the Kennedy clan because it, it, it just looked wrong. But I saw a documentary on it a few years after that, and I still remember it to this day because... It was talking about what they call in that area of the country in the Northeast a gray day over the bay. A gray day. And it said the sky was gray, the horizon was gray, the bay, the water was gray. And 
it's a light plane and they're showing a camera out the front and they said how do you feel like we're going which direction do you think we're going and I was looking out the front of the plane and I thought I think we're kind of headed into the horizon that's what it feels like no they were in a steep dive right into the bay you just couldn't tell and John F. Kennedy was an instrument rated he, 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 he didn't he, he didn't have instruments to tell him which way he was going. He had to do it by sight. He sincerely thought that he was flying into the horizon and he was sincerely wrong. And now today in our culture we say, whatever you believe is fine as long as you're sincere. That didn't work out for him so well. And it doesn't work out in a spiritual sense for us either. The Bible tells us that this one and only God, he broke through time and space because he loves us so much and he provided a way. And that is how we come to him. We can't reach him by our own goodness or our own religions or anything else that we make up. We've got to come his way. And yet, that's difficult for our culture today. It's difficult. First John 2.17 says, the world and all its desires passes away but the person who does the will of God lives forever I think we need to know that in the next 10 15 20 years 20 years from right now you mark it down if culture continues the direction in America that it's going when you say I think I'm going to go to church today they're going to go why why would you want to do that because Europe is just about that far ahead of us and that's the way it's gotten agnosticism and atheism is kind of the rule of the day, secularism. And so the church has been pushed to the side. So you're going to have to be ready for that. As a believer, you're going to have to know that. Another thing that we've got to stop doing is being led by circumstances. That might be yours. If that is, put it in one of those blanks. Circumstances. I'm amazed at how many believers, the number one way they try to determine God's will is by the circumstances around them you know some of you are like well the offering bucket missed my row that must be God right <laughs> I've heard that a few times but um, so I, I bumped into someone the other day I mean literally bumped into them in Walmart or, and, and it was like this must be God it's, it's a God moment I said well I kind of shop here pretty often but um, you know you're on shallow shaky ground according to the Bible when you base things on circumstance I overslept today it must be God's will that I worship at St. Mattress right so you, you, you look at all of that and you, and you start to realize that that there's this that, this thing that we do sometimes and in the Bible let me give you one just one of the examples there's a lot of them but the Apostle Paul he's being taken uh, as a prisoner to the Emperor Nero to stand before him as a Christian. Eventually, he'll have his head cut off. But on the journey to Rome, they're on this boat. And it's docked for a little bit. And God talks to Paul in his prayer time, apparently. And, and let me just kind of read you what happened, okay? So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo. And to our own lives also. But the centurion, the, the Roman soldier that was in charge, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot 
and the owner of the ship, which kind of makes sense, you know? You got a prisoner telling you one thing, and then you got the pilot and the owner telling you something else. I mean, who are you going with, right? Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. Have you ever had this gentle breeze come up and you think, okay, I think I know what God's will is. Here's God's will. It just seems like it's all going this way. I, I, I talk to people from time to time, you know, and they'll say, I know I'm married, but, you know, I was just at work and there's this gal at work and, and, and I, it just kind of, I mean, it just, I mean, it's kind of a gentle breeze, you know, and I think now I'm in love with her and not my wife, or I'm in love with him and not my wife. Did you know that even secular psychiatrists tell us that it's possible to fall in love with 15 to 20 different people in your lifetime? It's what Scott Peck, psychiatrist, uh, well known in the US, he says it's called ego boundaries dropping. And that can happen with 10 or 15, I mean you get close enough to someone and there's just chemistry you feel with certain people and that you can kind of feel the spark and if you kind of give in to that and get closer to that and move in to that and kind of hang around that before long ego boundaries can drop and you'll get this euphoric feeling that we call love. Now it's not what the Bible calls love because the Bible says love is patient, kind, doesn't seek its own, all of these things, it, it, it's these actions that, that the Bible says. But even Scott Peck says it takes six months for those euphoric feelings to go away and after they go away then you can begin the work of real love that's kind of amazing to me but we see people all the time well now you know I lost that love and feeling for her but I got it for her I lost it for him but I got it for him you know and, and so we we kind of just drift along by circumstance and, and and even though it's directly contrary to what God says also have people a lot of times say, well, I just have a real peace about it, you know? And, and it can be some of the same kind of stuff, but I just have such a, a peace about it. Now, there is a peace that God gives. It says in the Bible that when we pray and we ask him, and according to his will, and we do it, then there's this peace that's going to come on us. But also, if you're not doing it, sometimes you can still have a peace. And, and, and that's this thing. I mean, we have this peaceful easy feeling and we know it won't let us down right you're you're getting older if you know those lyrics i just i was just testing you know you may start singing it you don't want that all right but 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 that's what we 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 look at sometimes you know it can't be wrong when it seems so right right all right we won't go any more of those okay but that's why I want to talk to you about number three, feelings. Feelings. I, I, I've got to stop being led by my feelings. If I want to be led by God, I've got to realize that sometimes my feelings aren't accurate. Now, usually they're valid based on what we're thinking, based on what's going on inside of our head. 
you know, but they're not always accurate. Does that sound interesting that you can validate someone's feelings even though they're not accurate? I, I think you can. I mean, you're elated at your wedding, but not necessarily long after, right? You're elated at Disneyland, but doesn't last. You are elated when the Astros win the World Series unexpectedly. Are you still as elated? Well, you probably still feel pretty good, but you know, it, it just can't last. It doesn't last. But luckily, feelings don't last if you're discouraged, if you're depressed. When you have an anxiety attack, aren't you glad that can't last? I mean, your adrenaline is flowing, but your body can't keep that up. So eventually, it settles down eventually. You feel like you're going to die, but you don't, and it settles down. So what the Bible says is something is true if it's true, not if it feels true. And our society and our culture, again, they like to say, well, I feel this, and I just feel this is right. I just feel like, you know, God couldn't be this way. I feel it. I just, not. But God says, let me tell you how I am, and I just feel like you couldn't be that way. And, and it's a good thing if it's true and accurate. Proverbs 14, 12 kind of sums it up. The wisest man who ever lived, Solomon said, you may feel you're on the right road and still end up dead. Now that's pretty blunt. What do you really think, Solomon, you know? Isaiah 53, 6 says, we've all strayed away like sheep. We've left God's path to follow our own. Why does a sheep get off the path? Because it feels like it. Oh, look over there. There's all oh, oh, over here, you know? And that's what we do. Another thing that we do... Number four, we live by impressions. Impressions. Um, I mean, it's just this, it's bigger than a feeling. It's this gut thing, you know. I just have this. And, and, and when I was in uh, college at, and, and right after I newly married, I lived a lot in my, in my gut, you know. I just like, I knew this was like, I spent a lot of my dad's money that way. I'd say, Dad, I just know God wants me to take these 18 hours and then about, Three weeks later, I'd say, I think he wants me to take 12 hours because those classes are terrible, you know? And, and my dad would go, but we just, and pretty soon by the end of my college career, I was having to pay for my own classes, okay? Which kind of changed all of my impressions. I, I remember, <laughs> I remember, uh, you know, my father-in-law, he, he uh, someone asked him, well, what is, we got married, Laura and I, right before I finished university, and um, she still had a year to go, a year and a half to go. And so um, they said, what's Mark going to do? And he said, only God knows. <laughs> because I was doing something different every day, you know. I was living in my impressions. The truth was, I don't even know if God knew because I was changing all the time. And the Bible says, no, that, that's, not, that's not how I work. See, we do that all the time as believers. Well, I have this check. I have this feel. I have this, I have this gut. If it doesn't line up with God's word, and if it's not in God's word, you know, it didn't say in God's word, take 18 hours or 14 hours. It didn't say anything like that. But you just got to realize an impression is just that, just an impression. And it might have been caused by the bad pizza you ate last night. All right? I've got an impression that God is not even in this building right now. You know? No, it, it's just... It's just an impression. Another thing, a fifth thing, and I'll do that real quickly, is hanging with the wrong people. 
Maybe that's yours, hanging with the wrong people. Look what the, uh, the Bible says. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. So what does that mean? That means that if you are hanging, you know, because some of you, some of you ladies right now, you're missionary dating, aren't you? You know, it's like, well, I'll just be a missionary in the, out there on, on, on Tinder. It's not going to work out good. You see, because bad company corrupts good morals and all those guys, they made up their whole profile anyway, you know. So, so here's this thing. It, it's just like you, you look at that and, and you, you just, you can't just swipe right. You have to say, God, I want to know what's under your big umbrella here. He's got an umbrella of his principles. And under that, there are some really amazing guys a few, but there are also some seemingly pretty amazing guys way out here somewhere, you know, out from under that umbrella. And if you get close enough and the chemistry's good enough, your ego boundaries will fall. Boom, right? There you go. So we've got to hang with the right people. Every single time, if you're hanging with the wrong people, they're not going to come up to you. You're going to go down to them. Bad company corrupts good morals it's a principle in the bible god says it okay that doesn't mean that god can't turn their life around but it, it it's not going to be because you're you're hanging with them it's going to be because you're on your knees praying for them all right so what are some steps to getting guidance let's just look we'll look at some steps five of them how do you get guidance well first of all i must want to be led i must want to be led my god i want to do what you want your teachings are in my heart I've got to desire it I've got to want it have you ever been messing around with someone in a pool or something and guys we do this and we're like you know have, acting like we're drowning each other fighting and wrestling and you ever been held under a little too long you got that feeling like oh my gosh I got it let go of me I want to get you know and, and that's the feeling I want to be led by God like that like I want air I want to be led by God like that, I, I'm just so tired of all this other. I want to be, you feel that? Do you want that? And then it, it, it goes right into number two. I must be willing to do whatever God says. I must be willing to do whatever God says. Jesus said this, it's interesting. Whoever is willing to do what God wants and chooses, it let me read it again. Whoever is willing to do what God wants and chooses it will know if what I teach comes from God. That's from the today's English version, but it's very accurate from the Greek of the New Testament. You know, a lot of people go like, I just don't know if this is real. I don't know if, if you know, I, I wonder about, God says there's something at the core of them. They don't want to do it, and so they don't know. There are very few that are just purely intellectually saying, I, there's something beyond that. We have a, a, a spirit inside that says, I want to be my own God. But Jesus says, if you really want to know, if you're willing to do whatever I say, if you're willing to do whatever I teach, if you're willing to actually step out on it, you will know. That's a promise from Jesus. So if you're here today and you're wondering... Maybe you just need to say, yes, I'll do whatever you say. I, I, and 
See, check your heart and see if that's true, okay? Because, see, even as a believer, you don't get to go, well, Jesus, why don't you tell me what your will is for me, and I will decide if I want to do it or not, you know? We just have to say yes right now. Yes. Yes. Just in your mind, would you just say that to God right now? Yes. Whatever you say. If you can't say that, you know that, okay? The next thing, it goes right along with it. I must look to God's word. I must look to God's word. It says, your word is a lamp to guide me and a light for my path. If you're not in the Bible every day, you're in the dark. You're walking through these shadowlands. Remember C.S. Lewis called this life the shadowlands? You're walking through the shadowlands without a flashlight, without a lantern. Your word is a lamp to guide me. Psalm 119, 133 says, guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome by any evil. You see, when we start to find God's word and his will, then it it changes things. If we're just going along by our feelings, our feelings can lie to us sometimes. In fact, did you know in counseling, one of the things that you discover is that nobody is normal. Did you know that? In fact, psychologists, psychiatrists tell us in America today, there's not one normal person. No one is normal. Look at the person next to you and just tell them, you are not normal. All right? Because it just, some of you, some of you are relishing this a little too much. That's not normal. No. We're either character disordered or neurotic. Okay? None of us are right in the middle normal. Now, neurotics... What neurotics do, figure out which one you are. Neurotics kind of take on too much responsibility. They, they take ownership of, every, you know, like, uh, it's my fault. You know, I, I blame myself. What did I do wrong? That's a, neurotics say that a lot. What did I do wrong in raising this kid? That's a neurotic. You're neurotic if you say that, okay? Character disorders, on the other hand, like to blame the world around them, Okay? And they, they blame everything else around them. They're like, what is wrong with that kid? Okay? And, and, and what is wrong with you as my spouse? Why, why is our marriage not happy? Because of that woman, you know? One guy, he, he told me, he said he married this wonderful woman. And within like six months, she was a total witch. He used a different word, but it rhymed. And he said... He said, it's just crazy. And then so he divorced her, and then he married this other wonderful woman. Six months, she's a witch. And he thought, I just marry witches. <laughs> and it took a lot of counseling for him to come to the, I turn normal women into witches, okay? That's a whole different thing there, all right? And within six months, I can take a normal woman and make her a witch. And that's when you can get some help in counseling. See, which one do you think works better? It works better if you're neurotic. Counselors can help neurotics because they take ownership. It's too much, but they take it. Character disorders, your only hope is letting God through his spirit show you the truth. 4% of character disorders are sociopaths. They don't even have a fee, they don't have any of that. And see, we're either one or the other. We're about and, and probably barely a few more neurotics than character disorders, but we're pretty split. And you know who likes to get together in marriage? It's all my fault. Yes, honey, it is your fault. 
perfect. Great marriage. <laughs> this is a marriage made in hell. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's like you feel that. You don't know what's going on. But guys, gals, if your character disordered, you have to say, God, show me. I want to know the truth. I want to live in the truth because my feelings are going to lie to me. I'll let myself get away with all kinds of stuff because it's not my fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my wife's fault. My husband's fault. It's the world's fault. That boss that I got, it's his fault. Do you find yourself doing that? I must know God's will is found in God's word. Not in my feelings. Not in even my conscience. Okay. Most of God's will is already revealed. It's already revealed. You know, the name of your spouse isn't there. You can't open it up and go, oh, Zerubbabel, I'm going to look for her. No. But the whole principle is find this kind of woman. Find this woman. There's some out there like that. They're under this umbrella of his principles. When you open your Bible, God opens his mouth. When you close your Bible, God closes his mouth. So what am I saying? Quit listening for a voice. Start looking for a verse, okay? I want you to find it in God's word. A, a, a little syllogism that I, I thought through and, and someone had presented to me when I was wondering about the Bible. One time it says, God is all-powerful. God loves me with all of his heart. God wants me to know him. Doesn't it just make sense that he's going to give me a word that I can see to know who he is and know enough about him and understand? Some of you are sitting around wondering, well, what about mistakes? And Look, is it sufficient, bottom line, for you to know God and walk with him? It is. And I would encourage you to just start in the Gospel of John and read Jesus' words. There is more proof that Jesus spoke those words historically than that Julius Caesar ever existed, okay? And you can begin to just start with that and listen. If you really want to know, if you really want to know, you have to be honest with yourself, character disorders especially, all right? If you really want to know, you'll know. That's his promise. That's his promise. So start Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And, you know, get a contemporary version of the Bible. Most of those are pretty good. I love the New Living Translation, NLT. And sometimes you'll see I have different versions down because I'm always looking for the ones that closest to the Greek or to the Hebrew that's, that's one of the things I get to do you a service in that because I've gone to seminary and stuff, but you don't need to have all that. They're accurate. New Living Translation is, is so accurate. <laughs> we, we printed a Bible not long ago that we were giving away for free and, and, and especially out in the community and it said community of faith on the front. And one guy came up and he goes, I love that y'all wrote your own Bible. <laughs> I love that. I was telling... I, we didn't. It was New Living Translation, and we just put our name on the front. Okay, it's still the Bible. It wasn't. But I was telling some of my pastor friends, and I was, what are you teaching over there? And I said, well, it says in the book of Second Mark. You know, I was just kidding around. But <laughs> new book I wrote the other day. No, the Bible, it's trustworthy because God is trustworthy. If he's all-powerful and he loves you and he wants you to know him, 
doesn't it make sense that he's going to give you a trustworthy word to read? Just try it. Just try it, okay? By the way, God wants me to obey what I already know before he's going to give me something else. Jesus one time said, if you come to the altar to give me a, a, a sacrifice of, of prayer, of praise, of whatever, and you realize that you and somebody have something against each other, get up from there and go and get that right first and then come back and offer it to me. What is he saying? There's a principle here. Do what you know already is right. So you can't be saying, well, you know, I'm just going to do this area like I want to, but God, show me over here. He's going like, no, one step at a time. Is there any area of your life you know you're out from under? The key, if you want to be led by God, start doing what you already know is his will. And you've got to know that his will never contradicts his word. Never contradicts his word. Guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome by any evil. I like this last verse. Your road led by a pathway through the sea. A pathway no one even knew was there. Now you would have never found that. You know, when the children of Israel are up against the Red Sea and they say, how do we need to go? Here comes the army against us. We're going to be annihilated. Should we go this way or this way? And God goes, that way. You didn't know it was there. But I am opened up a roadway in the middle of the sea. Maybe he wants to do that for you. And you know what I love about him? He does it. You know why he does this for us? Why he guides us in right paths? Because we're just so lovable. No, that's not it. He does it. For his name's sake. Remember when he came to Moses and he hid him in the cleft of a rock and he said, I am the Lord, the Lord God, the mighty one, and I am good, I am good to generation after generation after generation. That's my holy name. I'm good. I'm God. I love you. For the sake of his own goodness, he reaches out to us. It's not about you and your performance. So wherever you are right now, drop that. When I get good enough, I'm going to ask, don't, you'll never, you'll never get there. Right now, because of who he is, you can open up.